like, we'd all be in trouble. Would you agree? Maybe we could bring some beautiful, incredible lady up here, look beautiful, and a lot of you, all of you do, not a lot of you, all of you do, mm. uh, and say, this is what a Christian looks like, the female form, or some incredible handsome hunk, and bring him up and say, this is what the Christian looks like. But I want to tell you, uh, it's got nothing to do with the outside, what a true Christian looks like. Or what it's all got everything to do uh, with what comes out of the inside, doesn't it? I was uh, interested because uh, there's a thing that the Australian government put out uh, every now and then, every so many years, they ask us to fulfill or fill out a census. Uh, some of you would have filled out several over your lifetime. And, uh, and there comes a question, and the question is, and one of the questions says, uh, what religion are you, or what beliefs, whatever it says, I've forgotten the actual details. And there's boxes you can tick. You can tick a certain belief system, uh, whatever, it may, whatever it may be. And then there's, uh, there's a box for Christian. Um, and, uh, or you, could, you can actually choose your denomination. Do you know that um, in Australia, around about the last census, I believe, around 52% of Australians tick some kind of belief system, Christian, Christian belief system, but 52%, um, the, 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 which is great. That's brilliant. Uh, it's a pity it wasn't 100%, but that's not the case. Uh, the interesting thing is, we discover when we uh, look at it, the reality of it, about only 2% of those 52% actually, um, actually attend any kind of fellowship or church and have an open display of their faith. So that's quite a small percentage of Australians, isn't it? They say that we reached 25 million uh, on Saturday night at 11 p.m. Did you know that? 25 million people in Australia. And we are made up of so many diversities and cultures, and I think it's incredible and wonderful. I think the Christian church is the place where the cultures just mix so well together, actual fact, because Christ brings us together and makes such a wonderful difference. But um, so out of the 25 million, just... 2% or less than 2% actually have an open display of their faith in some way or attend a church. So, um, you know, it kind of concerns me because maybe some people really are not quite sure what a true Christian looks like. Or maybe they're not quite sure what is needed for a true Christian to be a, a, a Christian. Okay? Um, the Bible actually says, uh, it says in the scriptures that a, a Christian is a disciple of Jesus Christ. And I like the terminology because the disciple means to be someone who is a pupil. If you were talking in Jesus' day, you would have said a, um, a disciple of a rabbi, which is a teacher. So Jesus was a teacher, but he was more than a teacher, wasn't he? But it says a, a, a disciple is a pupil, a learner, which I think is really good because I think in our Christian faith, it's a process of learning. If we ever get to guru status, we ever get to the point where we think we know it all, I think that's when you've got to realize you, you're really losing your faith because I think the reality is there's always a process, there's always an opportunity to learn more in the Christian faith, isn't there? So one of us can't speak high, you know, so well, I know more than you. I think we're all learners if we're disciples of Jesus. We're all follow, we've got to be following something. And I suppose... Uh, the question can be, uh, one of the determining factors of whether we're Christians is, what are you following? What are you following? Um, Jesus gives us a bit of a clue in Scripture, and I shared this verse last week, but we'll just share it again for clarity, because he says, in, he says himself, and John, and John wrote it down in John 8, he says, if you continue in my word, you are my disciples indeed. 
Jesus said that. That was his exact words. If you continue in my word. Now, whenever I read this verse, I, I look at that and I see clearly it talks about, it says my word. And so that's referring to the Bible that you and I read. And so straight away, I think it mentions the word is referring to the Bible. But may I also draw your attention because I can skip over the next word. I can go to, well, that, that's what makes you a Christian, reading God's word. And you would be right in saying that. But there's another word there that's highly important in this little phrase, and it's the word continue. The word continue. Because you could read, without the word continue, you could read your Bible once, even read it right through once or twice, and say, well, I've read it, <laughs> I'm a Christian, and never read it again. And who knows, that uh, there'd be something just not quite right about that, um, but with the word continue, it places a requirement on us to go back time and time and time again, not just a couple of times, but always. Now, if, if a lot of us, this is no new news to us, but the reality is it, there's a requirement that says, hey, we can always learn something new. We could always require more information. We could always take on board stuff that we didn't know. I've actually read verses over my lifetime, and I've come to that verse probably for the you know, 20th time, and all of a sudden something jumps out at me that's new, and it speaks to my heart afresh. So we see, we see very clearly here the word continue is a word that actually means to endure. It means to stay in. It means to abide in, and as I said, it literally means just to continue, keep going, keep going. Paul, Paul actually, um, uh, you know, he actually had something to say about this. He picked up on the theme of Jesus, and he says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 to 18, here, this is a verse that you know, um, it says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, because what? This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It's not just a little bit of his will, it's all of his will. And would you notice that the, um, the context of what the words they use? Because they use the words um, always, without ceasing, in everything. And you know what they're talking about? It's saying all the time, continually do it, all the time, continually. Continually be involved. So as much as the will of God is to actually do the things like rejoice, pray, and give thanks, I would, those spiritual disciplines are wonderful, but I would say that the will of God is also, uh, unless you are continually doing it, that, it, that sometimes just a one-off prayer or just a one-off or praise or get thanksgiving is pretty useless unless it's continued to be backed up. It's a continual process in our lives. Unless we have the continuum, unless we keep going, I think I, uh, it seems, unfortunately, more and more these days that humanity or society, and if we just looked at even our own city or our own state, that people are prone to do something a couple of times and say, well, that never worked, and they give up. They give up and say, well, that didn't seem to happen. Yet you never get, the truth is, you never get an orange from an orange tree when you just plant it. You can't plant an orange tree and step back and say, I'm waiting for the orange. 
Common sense prevails, doesn't it? It's going to take a little bit of time. It's going to take some requirements of water, sunlight, and good soil type for that orange tree to grow, and then orange is pre-produced. That's a given in our lives. What about, you know, when you, when you come to the spiritual disciplines of thanksgiving, prayer, and rejoicing, and you say, well, I tried it once, and it didn't work. That's because sometimes it just takes a little bit of time, a little bit of pushing through, a little bit of continuing until you get a result, until you see something good happen. Because like, if you plant a seed, it's not going to produce a, a, a tree tomorrow because underneath the soil is things you can't see happening. And I tell you what, when you continue in the disciplines of your Christian faith, which are the things that make you a Christian, you, you sometimes don't see the good that it's doing, but I tell you what, there's a, there's a, a fruitful time coming and it's not going to be straight away. So continue. You know, um, the word continue means we keep going. The word continue means that we keep going despite the fact that we don't see anything happening sometimes. I, uh, we all start our week sometimes with the good intentions that what we will consistently do. You know, I think sometimes on a Monday, <clears throat> me and Michelle... Um, We'll uh, put our diaries together on a Monday morning and we'll talk about the week and the things we're going to do. And, and, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, well, you know, some of those Christian disciplines I'm just going to put into place every day. I've got to do that first. I just need to spend time talking to God. I just, need to, I just need to read his word. I just need to apply myself to those things. But you know what? In the course of the week, what happens is, is that things happen that want to interrupt the plans that we have. Sometimes a family member gets sick and... Or maybe you get sick, or, or you get a flat tire, or, 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 or maybe you get called into work, or you've got to work overtime. Just unpredictable things. Now, none of those things are wrong. But the reality is, is that they interrupt that which we should continue to do on a regular basis. And you've got to factor it in. I've found that you've got to, you've got to put margins in your life. Don't do appointments back to back. You know what I'm talking about? Run from one thing to the next and never give yourself time to breathe. And some of these requirements of just continuing in the things that Paul and Jesus are talking about, they just need just that time. I've discovered I never come away disappointed if I go in with the right desire to do those things which are important. Some of the true attributes of real Christianity then is just being consistent. It's being consistent um, in the spiritual disciplines of life. And um, Paul, he goes on to talk about something else in 1 Timothy chapter 4. Let me read it to you. It's up there on the screen. It says in 1 Timothy chapter 4, 7 and 8, exercise yourself towards what? For bodily exercise of profits, what? Mm-hmm. But godly, godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. Interesting, Paul, he says this to his, he's a mentor of this young man, Timothy, and he says, you know what, Tim, exercise yourself. Bodily exercise, profits a little. I think we could all do with little bits of bodily exercise, can't we? You know, go for a walk, do your gardening, whatever it is. But he says it's, it's profitable. He doesn't discard it, but he says, you know what's incredibly more profitable? He says, um, what's even more profitable is godly exercise. Godliness is profitable for all things, all things. 
It's interesting because Paul uses an athletic analogy to describe a spiritual practice. And an athlete, if you think about an athlete, they've got to obey the rules or you get kicked off the team. If you don't obey the rules, you get kicked off the game on the field. And you've got to bring your body into control, don't you? You've got to play the game right. You know, you, you, you've got to control your body. You, you can't wake up on a, a, one day when it's a training day and say, well, I'm not going to train today. If you're an athlete, you've got to get up no matter how you feel. And you train anyway. You put something into practice. You apply yourself to the task no, what are the, no matter what the situation is. Um, if you're going to be successful, you've got to exercise. Exercise means this, to train or discipline your body. It's, it's a similar thought of continuing, because if you're going to continue, you've got to train and discipline yourself, haven't you? You've got to train and discipline yourself. Uh, but Paul is saying to Timothy, discipline your life because it's incredibly profitable. The, it, it, you know, so it, it's, it's involving, the Bible always talks about involving effort in this Christian faith. Wouldn't it be good if the Christian faith didn't have any effort involved in it? We just kind of drifted through life. Oh, you know, God gives us signs in the sky when he wants to speak to us. He, he gives us audible voices when we need to change, you know, need direction. But, you know, the reality is, is, is that how would God ever know that we're really interested in him if it was all laid on a plate? How would we ever be able to do the Christian walk? Nothing in life is ever, you just don't, you don't drift into stuff. In actual fact, I've found as a person, if I just decide to never apply effort or exercise to my spiritual disciplines, I have more of a tendency for my human nature to drift me away from God. Drift me away. I was, I was um, hired a, a, a sailing boat with my brother-in-law one Christmas holidays in the Noosa River. He, he hired one and I hired one. There were two catamarans. Do you know what a catamaran is? It's got two hulls. And you can, you can pilot it yourself. So he had one, I had one. Up and down the, Bris up the Noosa River. He's on one side, I'm on the other side. We're having a ball. I decided to take a rest. I just let the sail off. Does anybody understand? What, when you let the sail off, that means there's no resistance. And so the boat kind of sits still. If you pull the sail on, resistance, and the wind catches the sail and you know, propels you forward. That makes sense. So I let the sail off. I'm just sitting there. And I, and I didn't realize as I'm sitting there, longer than I probably should have been, I was drifting and drifting and drifting. I drifted across the other side of the river. And I, I was kind of laid back and enjoying the sunlight. And, and then when I finally decided to, oh, well, I better do some sailing again, I sat up and I pulled the sail on and a gust of wind took me. And at that very moment, I hadn't realized how far close I drifted towards my brother-in-law. And he's just coming around in front of me. And as the, I pulled the sail on, my boat was propelled into the side of his and just put a big hole in the, the hull of the boat. Now, I looked at that and thought, that's a problem. And then I realized there's a second problem. The boat's sinking. <laughs> so, so, to cut a long story short, we both managed to get both boats back onto the shore. And to the, to the disgust of the guy who kind of hired them, you know, um, <laughs> my brother-in-law was pretty brash. And he said to the guy, you got insurance? He said, yeah. Great. See you later. <laughs> I wouldn't have dealt it that way, but you know what? I suppose I let it happen, so I'm just as bad. But anyway, we didn't, you didn't offer the pay. But the reality is, if you drift in life, you're going to find you can cause damage to yourself and someone else, ultimately. 
If you just say, it's okay, whatever will be, will be. You know, I think is a difference between being relaxed and being at peace. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Than being somebody who just doesn't really bother to, to spiritually exercise or apply themselves to some disciplines. Because in the end, I think this, it makes all the difference about where you really are, whether there's true Christianity, whether there's true faith in your heart or not. We could just drift and, you know, she'll be right. Uh, it doesn't happen well. And uh, believe me, it just doesn't happen well. We can be prone to drift. You know, the, you don't drift into godliness. Paul's saying, you've got to exercise yourself under godliness. You've got to apply yourself. You've got to put some physical effort and muscle into it. You know, not physical muscle, but physical. You've got to put some effort. You've got to think about it. You know, sometimes when you, know, the, the, you say, tomorrow morning, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going to set my alarm for um, uh, 7 o'clock, and I'm going to get up just before work, and I'm going to spend some time and, and uh, just talk to God about life. And, you know, when 7 o'clock comes around, the alarm rings, and that's the moment when you've got to say, am I going to put some effort into it, or I'm just going to... Now, sometimes I know you might need to sleep longer. That's fine. But you, you, sometimes you just got to say, hey... What do I really want in life? Um, what do I really want the outcomes to be? You have to exercise yourself. I'm going to have to get up and I'm going to do something that's going to actually produce something good in my life. Um, do, do you know, talking about that, Paul also talks to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 12. And Paul says this to Timothy in the second book that he wrote to Timothy. He says, um, if we endure, if we endure... What's it say? We'll also, is it there? <laughs> if we endure, there it is. If we endure, we shall also what? Reign with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. You think about what the word endure means. It means to continue in. It means to abide in. It means to stay in. It means to keep going. It says there's something. And, it, and sometimes in your continuing, there's an endurance that's needed there's a pushing through, uh, there's a time where it, it mightn't feel nice, but you know what, your life's not just all about feelings, it's also about an act of your will. You know, if, if, if all you thought about was just feelings, some of us wouldn't be married. Is that true? Well, I don't feel in love. It's got nothing to do with, your marriage's got nothing to do with feeling. It's got everything to do with your commitment. So we continue in. Are we good? <laughs> Paul says two things. He says, if you endure, if you continue, guess what? You'll get some victories. You're going to reign. There's going to be some, there's going to be some fruit at the end of the, of the course of time. There's something going to happen. See, endurance is not a moment or an event. It's not what happens in just one prayer. Come on, endurance is a process. It's not just what happens in, in, in one little reading of the Word of God. It's, it's keeping on going. It, it, it's, it's continuing. It's just not one thing and say, well, I tried that, you know, and it didn't work. No, it's an enduring. There's a pressing on, Paul talks about. To endure means to keep on going, keep on staying in the place, keep on doing it again and again. Um, endurance just doesn't happen all of a sudden. It's like one day out of the blue, something good happens. No, it's, it's not like winning you know, the gold lotto where 
you know, one, one week you got $100 in your bank and the next day you got $1,000, sorry, 100000 because you won the gold lotto. It's more like you're working for a number of years to save up the $100,000. You say, well, that's no fun. I want the instant gratification. And unfortunately, we live in a world that wants that. Many people want it now. I can get my burger within three minutes at McDonald's. I can, get, I can go to Hungry Jack's and get a drink real quick. I can do a lot of things real quick. I can get a really good coffee. I don't drink coffee, but if I did, you know, you could get a really good coffee really quick. You know, and sometimes we take that to God and say, God, we click our fingers and expect him to produce the results. And he says, you know what? I want to build something in you. And it's called endurance because I want you to continue and it builds something of incredible character because I want you to be something of substance and not just all goo and yuck. Continue. Continue. It's actually called endurance because it takes longer than we expect. It takes longer than we expect. The word endurance means to carry on despite the hardship or to carry on through. You know, Christianity has got some incredible joys in life. And while you're in the midst of the joy, you find joy comes sometimes through just doing the hard yards. But joy comes. Peace comes. I'd rather be at peace knowing I've done the right thing than having no peace and struggling in life and get, taking the shortcuts. You know, shortcuts might bring a bit of, oh, got away with that, but it never produces longativity. It never produces a future. It never produces substance in your life. And humanity always wants to take the lowest common denominator, the shortcut, uh, the way out of life, uh, you know, the, the way around that problem. No, if you go through it, instead of trying to go, uh, you know, just walk away from it or ignore it, you'll find that life is so much more valuable, so much more exciting, so much more uh, enjoyable. Amen. So the word endurance, it means to take a long time. It means to carry on despite the hardship. And maybe this morning you could say, um, I'm, I'm going to endure despite the fact that I got hurt, someone said something wrong, despite the fact that I ran out of money, despite the fact someone said something nasty, despite the fact that you didn't answer my prayer straight away, despite the fact I got sick when I thought I wasn't going to sick, going to get sick, despite the fact I didn't get the job, despite the fact you put something in there, there's a hundred things, despite the fact that my cat died or whatever, I'm, you know, gonna, despite the fact that this is happening or that's happening, I'm going to continue to press on. I'm going to continue to move on because I tell you, I think that's a wonderful attribute of a true Christian faith, person in true Christian faith. And then we come, you have that enduring bit, but Paul says there's a reigning bit. And you know, the reigning bit means to prevail. It means to dominate. It means to govern with authority. It means life, you know, you get the reward. Uh, and that's what you arrive at when you endure. You arrive at the reigning bit when you endure. And Paul says it's, it's it, it, so simply, endure, you'll reign. Endure, continue, victory. Keep going, You'll find fruitfulness. That's what it says. Keep doing. So, so many people want to reign and rule and have dominion, but they haven't realized they need to continue. Or they think they can have the reigning bit, but never have the enduring bit. As I said already, there was a gentleman called Henry Dempsey. He's 45 years of age. He was a pilot. 
and uh, he's a pilot in a small airplane company in America. He was flying between the cities of Portland to Boston, taking a plane back with his co-pilot. It was only a small company, so there was like a 10-seater plane. It wasn't a big plane. And it was 1987, the year was. And uh, as they're flying this empty plane back to Portland, or to Boston, I should say, from Portland, they'd only kind of just taken off. They're about a kilometre in the air. And they heard a noise back there. And the pilot, Henry Dempsey, said to his co-pilot, take the controls. I just want to check what's happening back there. I just heard that noise. And so Henry goes back into the cockpit, well, back into the fuselage of the plane to check what the noise was. And uh, he, didn't, he didn't know, but the, the door of the plane had not, it was only just, it was slightly ajar. It hadn't been closed or locked properly. And as Henry Dempsey's walking back past the door, the plane hits an air pocket and thrusts him kind of against the door, which forces the door open, and he goes out the door. His co-pilot realizes there's a loss of cabin pressure, and so he's looking back down in the plane as he's flying, and, he's, and he realizes his pilot is gone. He sees the open door. He sees he's fallen out. And so he maydays the, the, the uh, nearest airport and says, Mayday, Mayday, pilot fallen out of plane. Please look for him. Um, I'm going to land at your airport, and, and I'll be there in approximately 10 minutes. So the co-pilot lands the plane properly. The emergency services rush onto the tarmac, and they find Henry Dempsey. He was hanging onto the ladder outside the plane for a full 10 minutes, at just on, for some of it over a kilometre, at 300 kilometres an hour. It says they took 10 minutes to pry his fingers from the ladder. Sometimes you just need to endure because the alternative <laughs> isn't good. You've got to hold on. And I want to be honest with you. Some people um, have found, because they didn't hold on, because they didn't endure, that uh, incredible destruction, incredible pain and hurt comes to life, and even loss of life. And I want to encourage us this morning that, folks, one of the incredible attributes of the Christian faith is to have the Christian disciplines, but they're useless without the understanding that today, tomorrow, the day after, I'm just going to continue. I'm just going to continue. I'm just going to be there. I'm just going to keep on going because it's incredible. Because we live in a world that doesn't want to continue. We live in a world that wants to find shortcuts, everything else. But God says, hey, just continue. Because it creates something in us. If I can just finish with this thought this morning. Jesus was the ultimate example of a person who endured. Now, I, apart from the realities that he endured the cross, he endured all that type of stuff, let's just think about it, his, his everyday life, what it involved. Because in Luke chapter 4, 16, it says he came to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up. And as is custom, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. I'll, I'll give it to you in English. Jesus, he, he had, he'd been brought up around the city of Nazareth, and his custom, you know what his custom was? His custom it means manner of life, his way of doing life. In other words, his, his, his good habits in life. What he did was it said he went into the temple, he went into the church as his, was his regular mannerism, the thing he used to do regularly, and he started to read the scriptures to everybody. I love the thought that Jesus uh, continued to do this. 
he, he, was in the, he was in the custom. He was in the manner. He was, it, even Jesus needed to do some things every week of his life. And yet we could say, he's the son of God. He doesn't need to go to church. He is the church. No, no, no. He acknowledged the need to do that. There's another verse I'll bring to your attention, Luke 5, 16. It says, so he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. Six times in Scripture alone, in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we see Jesus says, it's recorded where he, he withdrew himself and went into the wilderness to talk to his Father. Jesus understood the vitality and the necessity and the power that he had because of his communication and relationship with his heavenly Father. You know, I, I love the miracles of Jesus. I love, I love the realities that Jesus would heal people. He'd do incredible things. But you know what? Jesus' success wasn't based upon miracles and healings. And you might, a lot of the people of the day thought he was successful because he healed and produced miracles and healed people. But that was not his success, folks. His success wasn't based on his outward attributes of what he did because that was the gifting on his life. That was God's anointing on his life. Your life is not based upon just the giftings because the giftings in your life, you don't need to train sometimes. You know, sometimes things come quite natural to you. But you know what really sustains you in life is the things that you do every day that are so important. Jesus himself would talk to God, his heavenly father, he would, go into, he would go to church. He would do the things that were so vital for his life to be consistent and to continue to be consistent. His life was made, that was the foundations. And yet, if you talk to anybody in society when Jesus was around and ask them, is Jesus successful? Of course he's successful. He healed the man who was blind. He, he, he raised the dead, Lazarus. You know, he, he healed the, the man who had leprosy, actually 10 that's his, and Jesus himself would have said, that's not success. That's a result of my successful relationship with my heavenly father. That's the result. That's not the end game. The end game is that you come away from a day knowing that you've continued in the, the Christian disciplines that you know are so vital for you to have relationship, heart, passion for that which is, God, which is important to God. Character is built through the day-to-day -day thoughts and choices we make. And it takes determination and perseverance. Talent comes naturally. It doesn't need daily discipline, lifestyle to function. Talent doesn't need that. Jesus had a disciplined lifestyle. How about you? Today, if there's one word I want you to walk back out of that door with, it's this word, continue. Continue. Maybe today you've had some thoughts about life in your time and you thought, I just don't want to continue. I've just had enough. I'm sick of this. I want to encourage you today that God would speak to you and say, hey, it's well worth it. Just get back on the horse again. Come on, rise up again. Let's continue. Can we stand this morning as we finish this service? We're going to sing that beautiful song in a moment. In actual fact, let's sing it now. <laughs> and then I'll say something real quick. <laughs>